Hello, we are live again for another episode of Wrestling with Jonas. I think we're up to episode 239, you know, now. So we're really motoring along, doing really, really good. Part of the Jonas Podcasting Network. Today, I've got with me the current main events wrestling heavyweight champion, the current MEW heavyweight champion, um, the Jacked Stacked Daddy. Ready? How you doing, buddy? Good to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Love doing stuff like this. So thanks a lot for having me on. No, you're very, very welcome. And we're going to be talking all about Shreddy's wrestling career so far, how he got into wrestling um, as a trainee, his background, his fandom of pro wrestling as well, and uh, bodybuilding um, and all that good stuff. Can't wait to get into all of that nitty gritty. But if you want to get in touch with Shreddy, ask any questions live on the podcast, you can do. Just send your questions through on your chosen device, and we'll do our very best to bring you up on screen and to answer every single one uh, during the course of this broadcast. But um, Shreddy, first of all, got to congratulate you. Um, you are the, the MEW heavyweight champion. Um, you want it in, in the, uh, oh yeah, of the world, no less. Um, but uh, you wanted it there, uh, January show, didn't you? But um, you, you've had a bit of a, a journey with MEW, um, over your last uh, three or four years. Um, how does it feel to finally be there, their top guy to be their heavyweight champion, buddy? Uh, it's good, obviously, there's faith there in the promotion and the promoter to you know feature me in the prominent slots. Um, Hopefully it leads to, you know, a string of good matches. I was able to wrestle Kirby, have my first defence against him um, in a singles match. So hopefully it's the first of many, you know, good uh, good singles matches that I can have. And, you know, just keep putting, keep putting the belt on the line and having some good quality matches. Look at that. It's a beautiful championship. Uh, looks even better over your shoulder as well, I've got to say. I've got to say. And you mentioned uh, Martin Kirby. Um, I think it was originally meant to be Adam Maxted, but... Uh, you know, a, a, a you know, fantastic replacement, Martin Kirby. Um, tell us a bit about that match because Martin Kirby came out of retirement last year. Um, he's a bit of a UK legend on the scene. Um, I'm sure you learned one or two things from being in the ring with him. Yeah, so it was actually meant to be me and HT Drake. Um, ah, okay. Uh, but the, a couple of people thought it was me and Max. I think it was just the way that the poster was. Me and Max said were kind of like the two men like prominent slots on the poster right. um but yeah the match was me and ht drake so um drake was injured so uh kirby stepped in from um second time i wrestled kirby first time i wrestled him was at it was a tiny little show up in just like a, a place called black or just a little kind of out of the way town up in the northeast um in front of a very small but loud crowd um family crowd yeah. that was a number of years ago i probably want to say 2017 uh, yeah 2017 maybe wow. the ring was broke we stepped it i stepped foot in the ring and the board popped so <laughs> it was a bit of um you know it was a bit unusual circumstances so being able to wrestle kirby um at the show in a singles match no broken ring for yeah. the title in a main event match was really good, really enjoys. Yeah, absolutely. Could really make the most of it without any, uh, you know, broken parts of the ring hindering uh, your performance. But uh, since kind of Brit Rest came back last last summer, uh, about July August 2021, your your career seems to have gone from from strength to strength. We mentioned the MEW uh, Championship, which you now proudly hold. Um, and like I say, we've seen you kind of branch out uh, around the country. I saw you not too long ago um, in Nottingham for Wrestle Carnival. But um, uh, you must be really pleased with how your, your wrestling career is going, and especially the last, I don't know, since last summer, getting on for 10 months or so now. 
It's a bit of like a head fuck, to be honest. Yeah. Um because I have a lot of people, like on the surface, or like me three years ago, me four years ago, seeing the schedule I've got now, I'd be absolutely over the moon. But me now, as busy as I am, yeah, I'm just like, I'm wanting more. So as grateful as I am for everything I've got, I'm still not content with only what I've got, if that makes any sense. I don't mean to sound ungrateful for what I, what I have got. Um, but a few people have said to me, oh, you're so busy, you know, you're getting all over the place, but there's still promotions I want to wrestle for. There's still, you know, goals that I've got that I'm just not there yet. Um, so as well as I am doing now and as busy as I am now, I don't just want to be like, oh, well, this is it now. Like, this is, yeah. you know, this is what wrestling's going to be for me now. I'm busy every weekend, so that's it. I can just cost... Not at all. Um, I don't no. want to get complacent. I don't just want to take what I've got for granted either. Um, so I am very grateful for all the opportunities I've got because since lockdown, um, this is the busiest, busiest I've ever been. Um, hands down, it's the busiest I've ever been. I'm on some of the best shows in the country. I'm featured prominently in literally every single promotion I do now. It's yeah. never a throwaway spot. It's never, you know, just, oh, well, we need to slot Shreddy in somewhere. It's always a really good booking, a really good slot, a really good feature. I'm on against good guys. I'm wrestling good guys. I'm getting feedback, you know, from some of the veterans on the scene. So it is really good, and I'm really grateful for it. Um, but as busy, as busy as I am, there's still more that I want to do. You know, we can always be busier. Uh, we can always get, you know, we always, no matter how well I was doing, I would yeah. want, if I was signed by Dewey Debris, I'd probably be thinking I want to be in Raw Smackdown. If I was on Raw Smackdown, I'd be thinking I want to be the champ. Like, yeah. I would never be happy, do you know what I mean? And that's a good mindset to have. That's a good, that's a mindset of a champion and somebody that wants to, you know, uh, continue to go up. Um, but um, what one sign that you must have been doing something right was uh, facing this guy, Damo. Yeah, uh, I think so, it was about October last year for, for Target Wrestling. November it was that, no, end of November, that short time. Oh, was it really? Of course it was, of course it was. But when you got the news that you're going to be facing uh, Big Damo, yeah. um, like I say, he was fairly fresh off of uh, um, leaving the WWE and coming yeah. back and performing over on the Indies, that must have been a bit of a thrill for you. And then the whole experience of the day and the match itself. Uh, talk us through kind of that whole experience then. Yeah, so Damo, absolute sound guy, like learned so much from him, uh, had such a fun match with him, such a great experience, such a great learning experience. But when the match was announced, um, it was probably announced, like, I don't know, four or five weeks before the show. So it was my first time back at Target. Um, I'd, I'd wrestled semi-regular at tar with Target before lockdown, really enjoyed every single show that I did there. Um, all the shows in Carlisle, it's always a great crowd, great company you work for, run by, you know, some great people. Yeah. Um, look after you really well, really friendly atmosphere, uh, good team. And this was the first time back wrestling for Target since lockdown. So wrestling came back in what, July. I think it was my first show back. So it was a couple of months in. Um, and then when they announced, I knew I had the booking, I knew I had the date, but I didn't know who the match was going to be against. So about three or four weeks, I think it was, before the show or before it was announced, um, I'd been cutting, like bodybuilding times cutting and like trying to get a little bit leaner and things like that. And I'd kind of thought to myself, right, I've leaned up. I'm going to start to bulk a little bit again now. I'm going to put a little bit of size back on. Yeah. 
And then that match was announced, and I was like, right, I'm going to continue my cut because I want to make sure I'm in a you know good shape for the photos and the footage and things like that. So when the match was announced, um, was really looking forward to it because you know Dame was spent however many years in WWE, obviously learning. It, it was great on the Indies before he got signed. Yeah, went over to WWE over at the Performance Center, obviously learning from some of like the best wrestlers in the world, some of the best coaches in the world, made it to the main roster. So for me, I just saw that as one, it's a good sign of confidence from the promotion to be able to put me in, you know, that kind of featured match. Two, it's going to be a class learning experience for me to be able to work with a guy with all that experience, work with a guy who's accomplished so much himself. And then on the day itself, um, I was able to pick Demo's brains. We had a good match um, and really enjoyed us. Yeah, yeah. And you obviously came out of the whole experience feeling that you've you've learned a few things. You said that you picked his brain, but um, I mean, the match itself, you know, we, we know that uh, the two of you, quite physical wrestlers, like to throw throw your opponents around the ring. Um, you, you know, you must have been on cloud nine after the match, but a little bit sore nonetheless. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and, and target wrestling, uh, Jody Fleisch, uh, your, your your latest opponent, Jody Fleisch, um, yeah. a, a different beast, a different type of opponent altogether. We all know what Jody is capable of with uh, the more high flying, more uh, dynamic type of uh, action. Um, how did you adapt to going from, say, a demo to a Jody Fleisch, two 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 different types of uh, of animal there? Um, it wasn't hard to adapt because if you look around Brit Rest, there's not many big guys on the scene. Not that mm. I'm particularly a big guy. I'm an in-shape guy. I'm a powerhouse yes. guy. But, I mean, I'm five foot ten, so it's not like I'm a huge guy myself. But a lot of the guys in Brit Rest are smaller than me. They're way less than me. Um, so it wasn't really much to adapt to because I'm used to wrestling smaller guys. What was good about the Jody match was he's a le- he's literally a living legend of 100%. the British scene. So yeah. again, when that match was announced, I was like bloody hell targets, you know, just throwing them at me to knock them out of the park here because they're giving <laughs> me opportunity after 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 opportunity. So can't complain at all with how I'm being treated at um, targets and uh, the opportunities they're giving me and being able to wrestle wrestle Jody was again a completely different experience but uh, you know again just learning from someone who has been in this job for what two decades over two decades yeah. um way over yeah absolute legend yeah living legend indeed i've seen a, a fair bit of uh, jody over the last 12 months uh, for various promotions and i'm sure for yourself to get in the ring with him was uh, was a thrill but um, as we mentioned um, off air before we went live uh, shreddy want to talk a bit about the the scene up in the northwest uh, northeast because it, it probably doesn't get as much of a spotlight as it, it probably deserves. No, no, you've got some tremendous promotions up there, some amazing uh, talent. Um, but but let, let's shine a little bit of a light on the scene up in the Northeast. Um, you mentioned targets and, of course, uh, main event wrestling. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, you've got North up there, Full Tilt Wrestling, and probably a few more that I haven't got listed in front of me. But uh, give, give us you know a couple of minutes rundown of um, why the Northeast scene um, you know, needs a little bit more credit and a bit more of a spotlight than it currently gets so as the promotion some of the promotion you just mentioned there i mean north is the for me north's the main one up here in the northeast uh north is kind of what give me 
my start, uh, my break in wrestling before I was even, you know, ready to have matches. I was a character on the show, was doing vignettes, was doing promos. So by the time I came and having a match, the audience knew me, the kind of audience responded to me. And again, since lockdown, the way that I've been, you know, featured at North, it's I've had main event match after main event match. I've had um, singles match with Gene Money. I was mm. tagging with um, Adam Maxted uh, at the last show. I've just been put in really good featured spots, and that crowd just eats it up. Like it's such a great crowd to perform in front of. Andrew Bowers, the promoter, looks after us all so well. Uh, he has, you know ideas for everybody is receptive to ideas he wants the best for not just the audience but the best for the wrestlers he wants the best locker room he wants he, he, he does have you know one of the best locker rooms if not the best locker room that i've been in in the country because it's such a great atmosphere there everybody on north is friendly everybody wants to put on the best show and work with each other everybody just wants to send you know put out the absolute best they can um for north and for that audience so working at north um north deserves more you know more eyes on it than it does like yeah not to knock i'll be careful of a word this so i don't get any heat but like you look at other promotions in other parts of the country who maybe don't maybe don't draw as many people mm. But online, they have a much greater following, if that makes sense. Or there's a lot more chatter about them online. Yes. Um, which is great because, you know, having a strong fan base is good um, and a passionate fan base, which North does have. But it just seems to be like in the Northeast, and this isn't just related specific to North wrestling, it's the Northeast in general. It's almost like what happens up here is almost um, non existent online. We're not in that click or that circle that bubble that seems to be on you know twitter where you know yeah. everything just gets you know all the attention and things like that and there's a lot of great stuff going on in other parts of the country but being from the northeast myself living in the northeast being born in the northeast you know it would be good if some of the stuff up here could get some of that attention as well because there's some great guys up here and there's some great promotions up here so it would be good if you know that could get pushed out a little bit more but for whatever reason it doesn't and i, I don't know why that is yeah absolutely and like i say uh, i'll be i'll be doing my research and checking out some matches from those promotions and uh, i know that north in particular is probably the standout promotion up in, in the in the northeast absolutely. and uh, he really does have I, I think it has quite a broad um a reasonably broad fan base but it does attract talent from all over the country and some international oh, talent as well so definitely worth uh, watching if you're not familiar with north um and let's just kind of bring up their their uh the logo is pretty sweet as well to be honest with you um but um like i say you've also got full, full tilt wrestling target that we've mentioned and uh, mew so uh lots to kind of get your teeth into specifically in the northeast anyway um other ones in the northeast you've always got rise they're not mm, i personally don't class leeds as the northeast anything south of middlesbrough teesside to me isn't the northeast yeah. i think technically leeds is the northeast so rise again is another promotion to yeah. look out for if anyone's not familiar with rise they do a lot of crazy things they've got the deathmatch stuff which isn't you know my bag i've not been at rise in a while 
Um, but you know, that's another promotion to be looking out for. And then in Newcastle, you've also got Prime Wrestling as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well let's have a, a little talk about Rise then, because you did have a little dabble with them not too long ago. Um, and they are known as more of a, uh, a hardcore promotion with, with some kind of hardcore matches, death matches, and a bit of a kind of a, um, dare I say, a more hardcore audience. But what was your kind of experience with Rise? Because I've seen a fair bit of their stuff over the years. I've interviewed uh, stars that have wrestled for them, Big F and Joe in particular, and I know that he is definitely a deathmatch wrestler. I don't think you would ever class yourself as a hardcore deathmatch wrestler. How messy did it get for you up there? Um, to be honest, I've had more like brutal, if that's the way you want to use, matches at North. Um, yeah. Oh, really? You know, I've had like hardcore matches at North. I've had, yeah, I've, I've done more crazy stuff at North, which maybe is the Rise audience. Because again, right. Rise, and this isn't a knock at all. This is like probably one of the charms of Rise. Rise is almost a bubble. You have a lot of fans there who maybe aren't wrestling fans, but the Rise fans. So it's like a good night out. It's a good little bubble. Yes. So you have, don't get me wrong, there is wrestling fans will go there as well, but a lot of people will go to Rise because it's a fun night out, it's a great night out. So you'll have a lot of people who, or their only knowledge of independent wrestling, or maybe it's even wrestling, is WWE and Rise. And anything outside of, you know, on the indies, they're probably not aware of. It could be lads on a night out, for example, looking That's for something a bit yeah, different like, to do. Yeah. When they used to run the Brudenell Club, I know, I know for a fact there was fans who used to just look forward to those Brudenell shows. Yeah. And they weren't necessarily because we we sometimes speak to the fans at you know merch and the interval and stuff like that, and they just really enjoyed the night out of Rise. Or you'd have some wrestling fans who went to Rise. They'd bring the mate along for a night out, and then the mate would be, "Oh, this is class! I want to keep going to this." They don't watch any other wrestling, but they love the night out at Rise, and yeah. that's genuinely not a knock. That is me complimenting Rise because they've created this super fun night that can appeal to both wrestling fans and non-wrestling fans. But you do have a lot of fans of Rise who maybe aren't. Um, you know indie wrestling fans so they won't be aware of they might not know who north is they might not sure. know that you know we, we all wrestle at other places um but yeah i've had a couple of um like my most hardcore matches have actually been at uh at north so yeah. the rise fan base because the kind of persona i have there it's very anti death match very anti hardcore okay. so some of them might be surprised if they actually saw some of the stuff i was doing um on some of these other promotions. Yeah, 100%. And like I say, not quite in the northeast, but uh, there or thereabouts and definitely another promotion to look out for in the north of England. But uh, before we continue, Shreddy, I've got to throw a quick uh, sponsor shout out to our wonderful sponsors, 1310 Apparel, who are not only the sponsors to this very podcast, Wrestling with Johnners, but also the Johnners Podcasting Network, and up to about 49 channels on their podcast, uh, YouTube channels uh, from all over the world. And if you head over to 1310's WrestleMerch Central Store, you can see their fantastic range of apparel, including their hardcore range of t-shirts, um, hoodies, their lucha range, including uh, beanies and uh, hoodies, caps, t-shirts, and the more traditional 1310 apparel and four corners uh, t-shirts. And exclusively to their to their WrestleMerch Central Store, you've got the 1310 Heidi Katrina t-shirts. 
which is out now. And as a viewer or a listener to the Wrestling with Jonas podcast, you can take advantage of our offer with 1310 Apparel. Head over to their WrestleMerch Central store by going to 1310.merch.global and take advantage of all the, the fantastic uh, swag and apparel that I just showed you there on screen. Uh, there's more besides. And at, at the checkout, don't forget to use discount code 1310WMC to get yourself 10% off at checkout. But uh, Shreddy, back to us. Um, let's take it all the way back now. Um, I'm interested to know when pro wrestling came into your life as a fan, maybe as a, a young viewer or maybe as a teenager. Can you remember when pro wrestling first came into your life and, and how? Um, so I don't remember life without wrestling. Uh, I really? really um, I'm one of seven kids. Uh, obviously got mum and dad as well. Yeah. One of seven kids growing up with two older brothers, three older sisters, one younger sister. Uh, my oldest brother, there's a big age gap between us. When I was like a little kid, he would have been a teenager. Um, and I always remember, I remember WWF being on the telly back when the blue mats were down in like the early 90s. So I always remember wrestling kind of being on in the house. And when I was a little kid, I, it wasn't something that I knew much about or something that I was particularly a fan of, but I was aware of it. Yeah. Um, I remember the um, In Your House uh, PS1 arcade game, the like Mortal Kombat style game by Midway. Um, I re remember that. And then I personally got into wrestling probably around 90, late 97, 98 is when I, I got into it properly myself. But I was already aware of you know, like the big names and things like that just because I was conditioned. To, I was just used to being on in the house. I knew what wrestling was. And I don't particularly remember a moment that got me into it. I don't know if it was just one of those things. Like As I got a little bit older and a little bit more aware, I kind of started paying more attention to it. I kind of started sussing out what was going on a little bit more like... It's weird because I have like nephews who so I, I love Power Rangers when I, this is going to just a bit of all over thoughts here, but just try and bring it back to the wrestling thing. I loved Power Rangers when I was a little kid. Like I remember when I was leaving nursery, going to primary school, my older brother was saying, Right, you're told for Power Rangers now. And I'll be in four. <laughs> I was like, No, I'm not. And I was like, I remember me, maybe it's my fifth birthday, possibly my sixth, but I want to say it was my fifth birthday. I remember um, Burger King was running this like promotion, um, like Power Rangers promotion. So my mom and dad took me to Burger King for my birthday and I got like a Red Ranger watch, like the Happy Meal gimmick kind of thing. And it was like all oh, this Power Rangers stuff on, birthday Rangers, um, Power K, uh, birthday cake and stuff like that. So I kind of grew out of Power Rangers, probably was a bit younger than what my nephews would where when they were getting into it. Yeah. So I don't know if because I kind of grew out of, I say grew out of Power Rangers, I've got Power Rangers stuff all over <laughs> me. But I don't know if because like I kind of grew out of that when I was a young, young age, it was then, right, what's going to occupy me next? And it just so happened to be um, wrestling that kind of fit the gap. There was obviously the stuff I was into as a kid, like Pokemon and, you know, Marvel, Spider-Man, X-Men, things like that, loads of stuff I was into. But wrestling... Probably from like 97, 98, so I'll have been seven or eight year old when I really got into wrestling. And then what doubled down on kind of my love of wrestling, my fandom of wrestling, was the um what the Warzone game for PS1. 
Yeah. Then the Attitude game, then the SmackDown games. Um, but yeah, about 97, 98 is when I would say like I was an active, interested fan. And then before then, I just had like knowledge of wrestling and it was a like, kind of something that was always there. So yeah, I genuinely don't remember life without wrestling. I tell you, it's incredible. I've had so many guests on here that said it, it's the uh, WWE computer games, console games that, that so, have introduced them to, to wrestling and to really, and that really got them hooked. That baffles me because I just think if you're not a wrestling fan, why would you play a wrestling game? Yeah. And I have been in a, in a in a tag team match. I won't name names, but I've been in a tag match with one of the wrestlers in that match who, when we were planning the match, we were saying, I oh, will do this. What moves are? explain the move then we'll name another move what moves are so we explain the move and this kept happening over and over in the planning so i turned around to the man i said you have watched wrestling before and they said no not really and i was like eh i was like so why you're a wrestler and they just did this with the hands is it more and then they said xbox i was like right okay and i was like fair enough like each to their own but i was like why would you play wrestling game if you're not into wrestling? It just it was weird to me. But yeah, yeah, everyone's got their own. Everyone's got their own. Who were some of the uh, the larger than life characters that really uh, pulled you in as as a kid and maybe as a, as a teenager? Was it was there a particular type of wrestler or any anybody in particular? So my favorite wrestler of all time is The Rock. Like when I was a kid, he like I've still got posters now that I had when I was a kid. Like The Rock right. was tagged when I was a kid favorite wrestler but in terms i mean the rocks are obviously a larger than life character but some of the things that i remember like some of the most shocking things like i just remember kane and the undertaker being a kid i remember um there was a back not a backstage probably a backstage segment where kane was just going ballistic like hitting security guards backstage and i was like what's like what's going on like as a kid like thinking like what's going on then when he had the voice box gimmick and he was talking yeah. i was like this is like as a kid i was scared of that um undertake those one of those characters that was like what's this one of my earliest memories and this was game from probably well it was before i got into it properly and um, but i was watching it around a friend's house because he had an older brother and the wrestling was on it was undertake yokozuna in the casket match when it was like all the special effects going on and things like that and it was like yokozuna is mental obviously hulk hogan out new but hogan wasn't around that time but yeah in like highlight packages and like little bits and pieces like that um those were probably like the guys that stood out when i was a kid um that i can kind of think of yeah yeah absolutely and i i'm trying to get my my timelines straight here because um you you you've only been pro maybe four or five years am i right in thinking that i started training in wrestling 2016 started wrestling on shows 2017 i actually i tell the story every time i'm on a podcast or anything like that um i actually had my first wrestling training session when i was 15 um did two sessions the second week got home after midnight on a school night on a monday got the bus from middlesbrough back to hartlepool where i live my mom and dad were like, you're not doing this again. It's a school night. You got in after midnight. Didn't have a mobile phone or anything like that. So that like squashed it right there. And then started training again when I was in uni. Um, I'll have been 20, maybe 21. Found some local training. Went to that for a couple of months. The head trainer um, packed it in. When the head trainer went, it just became a group of mates pissing about with the ring. As a student, not much money. 
having to piss off getting the bus there and back i was like i'm wasting my time I'm wasting my money because these guys don't have a clue what they're doing none of them were actually it was just literally mates messing about with the ring yeah. so that just gave me a really sour taste of wrestling because it's like i really wanted to do this and it's like this isn't like this isn't for me so i just thought to myself right that's it wrestling's not going to happen i got um into competitive bodybuilding and i started i started going to the gym and started going to the gym originally because when i was a kid i want to look like i want to be a wrestler then when i was a teenager i want to look like a wrestler someone start lifting weights when i started researching and reading about diet how to put muscle on how to get in shape how to get bigger how to get stronger i just started discovering bodybuilding and then you see like ronnie coleman jay cutler um you know like that was just a whole other world and i was like well this is class so then i kind of shifted focus to bodybuilding um and wanted to compete in bodybuilding and then eventually got back to training um you know as an adult with my own car independent moved out to live by myself and everything in 2016 and then obviously i obviously stuck with it so yeah started wrestling on shows in 2017 that's why I wanted to get the timeline straight because um, uh, so I know that you've only been pro the last five years or so. Um, but uh, like I say, that in-between time, what happened in that in-between time? And obviously you had some uh, bad experiences with your initial training schools and then discovered weights and discovered the gym and uh, yeah. discovered bodybuilding. So uh, we will get into your competitive bodybuilding a little bit later on for sure. Um, who, who looked after you? When you kind of really got into it about 20, 2016, 2017, your wrestling training, um, who who were kind of looking after you? Who was on the scene at the time? Who were your trainers? So I was training with Rampage Brown and Screwface Ahmed, um, yes. based up in the northeast. So Rampage Brown, obviously everybody knows uh, Rampage. Screwface Ahmed might be one of those guys that some people aren't familiar with, but Screwface has been around for I want to say twenty years, might be just oh, a that, long time. Yeah, he's been around a long time. Yeah, and. I think it goes back to that thing of like he's a northeast guy that just hasn't you know got that recognition online for whatever reason because screwface is legit one of the best workers in the country um he's been all over the world wrestling he is hands down one of the best minds for wrestling that i've ever came across one of the best wrestlers one of the best workers and um him and rampage took training and um, so when i very first started it was training with those guys um very early on i went to a johnny moss and matty jones seminar I'd literally done three sessions with rampage and Screwface, and then went to um a seminar with saxon huxley uh who's now in nxt uk he's yeah. all i knew saxon before i think before he started wrestling i knew Sa i just knew him from the gym uh, it was before i started wrestling i i, I knew him um so yeah he told me about the seminar once he once he found out and i told him that i've started wrestling training he told me about the seminar that he was going to um over at johnny moss's place in the lakes it was a weekend thing so i went with him did the session with mossy and marty then after it, that, uh, this one here by any chance so that was no that so that is marty obviously yeah. uh that was that was in two i want to say early 2019 right it could have been late 2018 but i want to say it was early 2019 i had, well I, that photo was taken during a week-long camp i was doing with rampage he had a week-long uh. on because i think it was in manchester so i was staying at my girlfriend's house in liverpool and just driving each day to that 
Marty's place wasn't too far from there. So one evening after I'd done the camp with um, Rampage, I headed over to Marty's because I'd not been the same for a while. And because I was in the air, not, not in the area, but it wasn't too far to go, about 40 minutes or something. Yeah. I went back to visit Marty and that was his place. But I started training with Marty weekly, pretty much. Yeah, like I started wrestling training in September 2016. And I started training with Marty like October 2016. So yeah, between... Ollie's out the rampage I was doing once a week. Marty, sometimes I would train with him twice a week. It depends wow. on what the schedule was like. I would make the it was a long drive, so I would go to Leeds where he was running training. I would go to Rampages on a Monday night when it was originally on a Monday. I would then go and train with um Marty midweek at Leeds. Then he eventually got his own place opened up in Milne Row. Um and I used to go there on a Saturday some weeks. So some weeks it was like three sessions. But obviously from Hartlepool down there, it's, you know, a bit of a trek. About sure. hour minutes. So, but yeah, that used to be. Um, so when I first, to answer your question, who looked after me when I first started, those were my coaches. Those were my trainers. Um, very early on, made friends with um, Rory Coyle, who, you know, obviously big on the scene. Yeah. Uh, he, back then, he wasn't like, a name on the scene um but he was on shows and things like that he came across some of my youtube videos i think um randomly I, like however you found them um and we just got talking at training and he asked me to go down to one of the ngw so the rampage of training was you know run by ngw um asked if i wanted to go down to one of the shows with him and that was a couple of hours down there in the car got to get to know him it was my first time, like really spending any kind of length of time with them. Uh, we just got on really well, talking about wrestling, non-wrestling stuff, um, and I mean, becoming like you know, he's one of my like, absolute best mates. He's lived with me um, before, so That's he cool. looked after me um, a lot and helped a lot with character development, promo work. Put me in touch with North originally, uh, and then things kind of went from there. And yet yeah, to this day, is like one of my best mates. Um, so those were the guys who looked after me kind of in the early days. Um, but then along the way, there's been so many people who helped me out. Um, John Moss trained with a lot. Chris Sharp trained with a lot. Um, Will Charlton, uh, one of my really good mates, but also someone who has helped me out a lot. Even guys like, you know, who've been in the scene a little bit longer than me, like Adam Maxted, he's, you know, helped me out where he can. Um, always picking like picking the brains and things like that. HT Drake has helped me out. Um, I've caught I've trained with him a fair bit. Um a guy that again probably is not many people know about, Mickey Long. Um kind of similar to Screwface in the sense of really good worker, being around for 20 years, had a trial back in, you know, 2012 or something. Um, has worked, you know, all the all-star shows and the and like the camp shows and things like that. Not known online, but again, someone that has really um taught me a lot and helped me out a lot. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And and I think like a, a lot of new wrestlers on the scene, uh, they tend to be paired up. They tend to be uh, put in uh, tag team matches. Do you you've had your your fair share of uh, tag team matches, tag team action, and partners over the years. Um, in in particular, you're one half of England's hardest men. Um, yeah. and uh, also you you won tag team gold with uh, Benji in the Brothers of Rage. So some pretty fun times there. Uh, you mentioned. Adam Axted, um, and I think you, you teamed with him in North quite recently. Tell us about tag team wrestling and, and how that's helped you 
when you were finding your feet in the early days, basically. Yeah, yeah. So just quickly just touch on that point there. So yeah, Benji as well. Um, he's again one of my best mates, only known through wrestling. Met that's Benji there, I think, isn't it? That's Benji, yeah. yeah. So I met Benji, it was when we were going down to a Dave Taylor seminar. Um, he didn't know who I was. A couple of guys he knew who went to Rampage's training said they were going down. They said they were coming down with me, said for him to get along and jump in the car. I think he looked me up on Facebook. So I was a bodybuilder, instantly thought I was going to be a prick. <laughs> we met each other. He realized what a nerd I am. And Ben's like the biggest nerd, biggest dweeb going. We just became really good mates. And like now, like you have like in, in wrestling, you have like wrestling mates like that. I think there's like, in any normal job, you've got colleagues, people you get on really well with. Yeah. But outside of office hours, it's like don't really socialize with them. Very rarely would message them. But when you're at work, you know, you're laughing all day with them. You then have mates who outside of work, like those are the people like you can, you know, like rely on and you can trust and you'll have good crack with. And I don't know what it's like for other wrestlers, but my experience of wrestling is like you've got loads of work colleagues. And you've got a handful of mates, like people who, if I saw wrestling today, a handful of people who I would still stay in touch with, um, and you know, make the effort, like they would make the effort to stay in touch with me, and you'd of have course. more to talk about than just, oh, we've got this show on this day, or this show on this day. Like you can talk to them when you're not in person, you're not at a show with them. And like, you know, the guys I've mentioned already, like Rory Coyle, Will Charlton, and Benji is one of those as well. Um Again, Benji, someone has, that's helped me out as well. Like I'm always, you know, just messaging my ideas and picking his brain for stuff as well. He like tries to wrestling's a head fuck, like I mentioned earlier. People will message me, oh Shreddy, like you're all over, you're getting booked here, blah 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 blah. But I'm looking at my calendar, I'm like, well, I'm booked on this show, but I want to be on that show. I'm not on, so like I must be shit. And Ben's one of those guys who like, you know, gives me a bit of like an ego stroke or a bit of a confidence boost when I need it. So He's again someone that's a kind of really helped me out. Um, but me and Ben tagged together. Uh, we went the Brothers of Rage. That was Joe Rage. And oh, ben, okay. Me and Ben were just uh, Benji Breck. We were dubbed at MEW and we were the tag champs before lockdown. And then when we came back after lockdown, that kind of just got reset and everything like that. Yeah. And uh, let's talk a bit about uh, Adam Axted, a uh, good friend of yours. Uh, Adam also lives. Um, in the same neck of the woods as yourself. I had Adam on the podcast last year, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Uh, really great guy, doing some great things on the British scene. Um, and uh, like I said, I think the two of you complement each other very, very well, not just because you're uh, amazing physiques, of course, uh, but I think you've got some some contrasting styles there that makes for a good tag team. Yeah, like it, we're, we're some, on one hand, me and Adam are similar, yeah. but on the other hand, we're, com like, we're complete opposites are completely different at the same time. Like we have that similarity of we were both in shape guys, but our wrestling styles are completely different. My kind of persona or the way that I connect with the crowd, the way that I would cut a promo, the way that I talk is completely different to his. So as similar as we are at first glance, like we are completely different, which it makes for a good dynamic because you've got yeah. that. Like, if you're a tagging, it's like you look at them and say, oh, they look like a good tag team. But we're not just like carbon copies of each other. We're like completely different wrestlers, completely different personas. But we have that common, like that commonality there. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And also, I'm an Englishman. 
he's an Irish man <laughs> walking to a bar and what's going to happen yeah and, and uh, Adam's got the sweetest prop kick in the business I think he, but, uh, he, he really really has um let's see where are we we met each other didn't we uh, I think it was uh, November last year was it uh, um, Wrestle Carnival um and uh you, you you were part of the the carnival gauntlet match um a really really fun match a really really fun occasion great to see you backstage um and of course uh you you did me the honors of a nice post-match uh, interview there uh, we yeah. knocked my cap and uh, scared me a little bit there but um you, you your your speaking ability really really stands out obviously we know you've got a tremendous physique um and uh a, a great in-ring worker but your microphone work, your ability in front of a camera and in front of a microphone or behind a microphone really stands out as well. Um, is that something that you've had to kind of work on over time and develop? Um, and it certainly comes across with the, the shreddy gimmick as well, that you're very confident um, in your persona and certainly behind a microphone. So shreddy is just me, like like literally shreddy. Turned up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I always say it ain't no gimmick, it's a lifestyle. And that's not a slogan, it's not a catchphrase, like that's a shoot. Um, <laughs> I am Shreddy, so it's not really hard to like fall into Shreddy if that makes sense. Um, the first place I was booked at as a heel was North, and that's because Bowers said I had natural heel tendencies. Take that for what you will. <laughs> um, it worked out because since lockdown, coming back, I kind of ramped up a little bit, um, and I put the twist on with the Jack Sack Daddy um, stuff, and that's all new since lockdown. And I've doubled down on that heel persona, doubled down on like the Jack Sack Daddy stuff, which maybe isn't me every day, but Shreddy is. Um, and I just doubled down on that. And, you know, things have just scarred for me really since lockdown. So that's kind of worked out. Um, what was the question again? Sorry. Yeah, just just your confidence behind a microphone and uh, yeah, how, right. how that kind of your, your heel persona and, and like I say, being a, a great speaker um, seems to yeah. be kind of putting the package together. I think um, before starting wrestling, like I would do YouTube videos. I was always like, a confident public speaker, so yeah. I probably had like some of the some of the skills, the base skills that could potentially transfer. Just be, but that just because you're a good speaker, or just because you can speak well, or because you're confident, doesn't make doesn't mean you know you're going to be a good wrestling persona, or doesn't mean you're going to you know be able to cut wrestling promos or talk well or whatever. Not that I say that. Not that I'm saying that I do do that, but. The point I'm making is you can be a good speaker or confident, but doesn't always translate into something that connects with an audience or something that will, you know, make a good wrestling persona. So I don't want to say that it's just easy because it's not. Um, but I think having those base skills and that confidence of just being able to speak um, definitely has helped. But then coming into wrestling, um, I think I had an advantage in the sense of for a couple of years, I was doing YouTube videos. So I was used to being behind the camera and I would, when I first started doing YouTube videos, it was around bodybuilding and like kind of like my bodybuilding vlogs and my workouts and prepping for shows and, you know, things like that. I would almost film the videos as it, I, I film the shreddy, like, and I almost saw like Trek me doing those YouTube videos as I was a wrestler. And I almost track the videos as Shreddy's a character, Shreddy's my YouTube character. So I was able to just kind of, again, double down on like, I am just Shreddy for a couple of years before I even started wrestling. 
and then once I started wrestling again, Rory had seen me, Rory Coyle had seen me YouTube videos, and it was like, oh well, I'll just be shreddy for like wrestling because that's you had, you had a persona already made, I had a persona <laughs> already, and people in the gym would call me shreddy and things like that. People in the bodybuilding, you know, would call me shreddy. That's just you know how they knew me. So, yeah, um, I think those definitely helped me out. But then it takes obviously work and practice to um, be able to, um, you know, be able to speak and cut promos. And there's a difference between able to be able to talk and cutting a good promo, I think. Um, the amount of wrestlers that you'll see, um, funny enough, I was talking about this with a couple of mates the other day. Warhorse just did a promo on me for North. Class promo. Put me over, put the promotion over, put the date over, put himself over. By the end of the video, and it's being posted, people seem to be looking forward to the match. There's a lot of wrestlers who, and I'm no expert to be, this isn't me, I might be wrong with what I'm saying, but there's a lot of wrestlers that when you see them putting promos out on Twitter or whatever, it's just, I'm wrestling so-and-so at this show. And when they say the name, it's like they pretend like they don't know who the guy is, or they pretend like they don't know how to pronounce the name because they're not familiar with them. And then they just run them down like, oh, I'm going to come and beat you and you haven't got a chance. Blah, blah. All right, cool. So like you've just shit over the guy you're wrestling. Um, you've acted like he's a nobody. So if they beat you, you like, you're a nobody then. And it's yeah. like, there's nothing to help them. It does nothing to hype. But it just, it's very, I don't like this. Um, productive. Yeah, I don't like this. And I've always been taught that a good promo tells a story and gets a few points over. A good promo puts your opponent over, puts yourself over, puts the show or the promotion over. And if you're not putting the other guy over, what's the point in you know what's the point in doing the promo? And one of the worst one of my pet peeves is when like you see wrestlers cutting promos and they pretend they don't know who the guy is the wrestling or they pretend like the the they stumble over the name and it's yeah. like yeah okay yeah yeah absolutely and uh for any aspiring wrestlers watching or listening to this uh because what do i know do you know i want to yeah. be no, good absolutely good advice and i've heard that advice before as well and, and certainly with regards to commentary as well similar sort of advice is you know you've got to put the talent over um otherwise nobody's interested exactly. let's talk about competitive bodybuilding then um i think you said off air that you've got a competition this coming sunday um but 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 look at that man on screen there look at that tan look That's at the pose um look at the body smugglers it's all going on there, and it? it's all going off. But uh, you, you kind of filled in some of the blanks earlier that you got into your weights and the gym and, and bodybuilding from an early age and before you became a pro. Um, and you you kind of been involved in several competitions, and you're still doing bodybuilding nowadays. Um, what was it in particular that really fascinated you about bodybuilding? And and, uh, and like I say, you keep going into it every so often. You've got a competition this weekend. Tell us about your love for bodybuilding. So yes, I just genuinely just fell into bodybuilding because of wrestling. I started going to the gym because I wanted to look like a wrestler. Um, growing up being a wrestling fan, like when I was a kid, I didn't look at Stone Cold and think, oh, he's got like a great physique. I didn't look at The Rock and necessarily think he's got a really good physique. 
But I think just watching those guys on TV, you then got conditioned because those guys were in amazing shape. Like if you look at Austin back in the day, particularly when he was in WCW, yeah. more so than doing a ref, like he was jacked up. Like Stone Cold was jacked. He was big. He was in like 100%. decent shape. The Rock was in great shape. Triple H was in great shape. Like so many wrestlers were in great shape without being body guy gimmicks. So when I was a kid, I think just like I say, because I don't remember life without wrestling. I think I was just naturally being conditioned to like, well, this is what like, because wrestling was always on in the house and it always on in the telly in my house. So like I just was conditioned to like these wrestlers and what they look like. So then when I was a bit older, like as a teenager, um, you know, like Batista was one of my favorites when I was a kid, like after the rock had kind of moved on. Um, Triple H was one of my favorites, Booker T was one of my favorites. Rob Van Dam was one of my favorites. Batista was one of my favorites. So it's like Triple H, Booker T, um, and Batista, three absolutely min physiques. Eddie Guerrero, Benoit, two of my favorite wrestlers. Eddie Guerrero is one of my all-time favorite. Eddie Guerrero is probably in my top three favorite wrestlers. If you look back at Eddie Guerrero, Eddie Guerrero was never presented as an in-shape guy, a body guy. You look back at Eddie Guerrero and he was jacked. Like he's he, cut, he, yeah. he's a small guy in height. He was if you saw Eddie Guerrero in a gym, he would turn your head. He was jacked, massive arms, massive shoulders, massive traps, big broad back. Like, so I think just growing up as a kid and then a teenager, that conditioned me to what wrestlers look like. So when I was a teenager, I was like, oh, I want to look like a wrestler, so I'm gonna start lifting weights. Start going to the gym, just moving weights, lifting you doing the machine and stuff like that. They lifting the machines and stuff. It's like you don't really know what you're doing, so what do I do? Go online. What do I need to do to put muscle on, to get in shape, to get abs, to get stronger, blah, blah, blah. And then you naturally come across like, the bodybuilding websites and you're seeing bodybuilders sharing the training and the workouts and the diet and things like that. And then when I was exposed to that world and like what these bodybuilders are like, Ronnie Coleman, if you know, if I don't know if you know much about bodybuilding. Ronnie I have Coleman, heard of uh, that. Ronnie Coleman, Mr. Yeah. Olympia. Um, such a fun, like charismatic, like really fun personality as well. But if you look at Ronnie Coleman, he's a freak, like an absolute freak. So it's like, well, fuck me. This is like mental. I want to know more about this. And then you just kind of get drawn into like, well, this is Ronnie Coleman. And then you watch like a bodybuilding, like, you know, you see a bodybuilding shot of all the other bodybuilders. Well, it was that guy. It was that guy. You start reading these articles or watching these training videos to see what you need to do in the gym. And that's what got me into bodybuilding. Um, so when I was young, I trained a mix between like powerlifting style and bodybuilding. But I never wanted to look like a powerlifter. I wanted to look like, you know, an in-shape guy. So once I'd been training for a few years, I was dedicating a lot of my life to the gym in terms of like meal prep, eating healthy, eating cold, dry chicken and rice at university. I'd cook it on a morning, wake up like half six, cook all my food for the day, get the bus to uni, no microwave. So I would be eating, you know, I would talk away just cold, dry chicken and rices, trying to get cottage cheese in and protein shakes between lectures and things like that. I was putting so much of my time and life into the diet, into training, time in the gym, it kind of got to a point where I was like, right, I want, I like the look of bodybuilding. I want to do it. After I'd put, you know, some muscle on over a few years, I was like, I want to compete. 
and in my town is a former Mr. Universe, five-time Mr. Universe, so he's won it more times than Al Schwarzenegger. He is the area rep for a federation called NABBA, which has got the Mr. Universe. He owns a gym in Hartlepool, so I changed gyms, moved to his gym, started getting him to like pick like pick his brain and help me along the way. He never co-formally coached me. He's not a coach, but he kept me right. He would help me prep for shows, show me and tell me what to do for training, give me advice on the diet and things like that. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I started doing my first show and competing in my first bodybuilding show in 2013. Got the bug for it. My life was literally bodybuilding from 2013, 14, 15, a little bit wow. of 16 just bodybuilding 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 and then i don't know if it was like burnout or i don't know how to describe it but so i moved out with my parents house in 2016 as well um yeah. kind of moving by myself change of relationships i think it was just like i had a lot going on in my life so didn't have as much time to just put into bodybuilding and competing um life took over for a little bit Kind of, yeah. I mean, I don't get yeah. me wrong. It's not like I neglected the gym or neglected diet. It's just the competitive side of bodybuilding of kind of took a bit of a hit. But then I also started wrestling. So then, you know, having to do the two. So I'd never competed in 2017. Um, and then 2018, I competed again um, while I was still, like, wrestling. And then 2019, was prepping for a show, Tommy Bicep Wrestling. So that was out of the equation. 2020 um was prepping for a show seven weeks out was the lockdown all the gyms closed 2021 the federation i compete in weren't running shows because of lockdown and uncertainty yeah. so this is the first year i've been able to compete since then now my focus has shifted like when i was younger like like say 2013 14 15 was bodybuilding 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 2016 onwards wrestling that's what i wanted to do when i was a kid that's what i want to do now i'm wrestling over summer i've actually changed you know bit of a career change um i'm going self-employed to free myself up for more wrestling and give yeah. myself more availability for wrestling for shows for training to you know just bet myself as a wrestler working on my my kind of schedule so i can dedicate more to wrestling so body when i say bodybuilding i mean competitive bodybuilding and doing bodybuilding shows because the training and going to the gym always stays the same it goes hand for me it goes hand in hand with wrestling the diet goes hand in hand to an extent it's not as strict obviously if you're not getting ready for a bodybuilding show but i always eat clean um i'll have snack like snacks and if i'm not getting ready for a bodybuilding show i'll have snacks and a cheat meal here and there but typically like you know the first four meals of my day whether i'm bulking cutting getting ready for a bodybuilding show pretty much the same um year round has been since probably as I was about 20 year olds, a 19 year old, 20 year old, something like that. So wow. that's kind of just a part of my lifestyle now. I'm going to the gym is just part of my lifestyle. But the bodybuilding and the competitive bodybuilding, as much as I enjoy it, this, if it got to a point where bodybuilding was affecting wrestling in a negative way, I wouldn't compete in bodybuilding. At the minute, that's not happened. Um, if anything, it's not, well, it's not affected it at all. It's just put me in really good shape. So if anything, I'm looking better for wrestling. But if it got to a point where energy levels were low or I was having to, you know, dip out of wrestling shows to do whatever, but I was just too exhausted and I couldn't, right? if it was negatively impacting wrestling, yeah. then I would stop the competitive bodybuilding and I would um, continue training, obviously. But sure. the competitive side of bodybuilding 
would be stopped and i would just purely focus on on the wrestling because that's me that's you know that's that's been the dream since i was a little kid percent. Mm, you mentioned about your YouTube channel. Now I think you you've had your YouTube channel going for a number of years, haven't you? But uh, you know some some excellent videos on there. You've got yeah, um, yeah. I think eight thousand subscribers at the moment. Uh, quite like a that, few. yeah. And you yeah. sort of in when I was younger and I was like bodybuilding lifestyle, like yeah. I was life. I was putting a lot more time into YouTube then. And then again, I think it was when life took over, like that 2016. It was a bit like, ah, there's a lot of effort going into YouTube. When you know, you see other people like blown up and the, you know, become YouTubers and they're making all this money. So then you can justify putting the time in. But when you're not making any money and you've got gym, like shoot job, yeah, life, social life, work, blah blah blah, to content. Then when I start wrestling, you've got all this other stuff going on. It's like right, something's got to give you. And like YouTube. As much as I would have liked to have made it on YouTube and made, when I say made, I mean make money from YouTube of to course. justify the time spent putting into the videos. When you're not getting that return, it's like, right, I can use this time for something more valuable. So then YouTube took a back seat for a long time. And then I started doing some vlogs again around wrestling. Then in lockdown, I had so much free time and i think you found a lot of this like this was a common thing with a lot of wrestlers during lockdown Um there was so much free time that we got back no training no traveling to shows no wrestling on weekends you had all this free time it's like right what do i are these are highly creative people that want an outlet exactly. isn't it it's you've got all this free time you've got all this creativity yeah so i started doing youtube again and again, with the gyms being shut and things like that, I was like, right, what can I do my YouTube videos on? And I got back into collecting cards, Pokemon cards. I've always been a card collector, but I got back heavily collecting into Pokemon. So that was, again, kind of like a natural thing for me that, right, I'm going to do that. So for about a year, year and a half, I was um, just putting like Pokemon content out. So my YouTube channel, I should, in that respect, I should have maybe set a separate channel for Pokemon. But... Again, it was just me as Shreddy behind the camera. So I was like, well, yeah, I can still talk about the gym, but I also want to talk about Pokemon. So then I started doing some Pokemon content and some Pokemon videos, set up a Pokemon Instagram and stuff like that. Um, but then I started, when wrestling came back, started doing vlogs again on wrestling. So over the past 10 months or so, I've had a mix of like less, well, I've not done any Pokemon content pretty much since wrestling came back. Um, if I have it's been one or two videos, and then there's been you know not weekly vlogs, but there's been vlogs every so often of um like show days for wrestling and things like that. And I've actually filmed a vlog when I was wrestling for Mega Slam last week. Um, I was away for a few days, so got some gym footage, got some like traveling footage, some footage of the digs and things like that. So it's just getting time to edit it. Yeah, hundred percent, and I highly recommend you go out and check uh, Shreddy's YouTube channel. Lots of cool content content on there. Whether you're into bodybuilding, whether you're into Pokemon, or whether you're into Shreddy's wrestling career, tons of awesome videos out there. All very, very well edited. And uh, like I say, I've taken my hat off to you. Um, I can't wait for the day when I get up to eight thousand subscribers. But uh, one day, who knows? But um, you mentioned earlier, Shreddy, that um, you know you're ambitious. You want to break out across the country, work for more promotions. And you, you don't want to be content. You're not satisfied with where you are at the moment. Give us uh, you know, an insight into where you want to be in the next couple of years and what sort of promotions you want to wrestle for. Um, you know, have you got like a, a bit of a bit of a goal or goals that you want to achieve? 
Yeah, so my goal when I first got into wrestling back in 2016 was to ever do the re. Like, I wasn't getting into wrestling just to have a bit of fun on a weekend or, you know, just yeah. to do, like, a local show. My goal was, I want to wear for WWE. I want to be a WWE wrestler, WWE superstar, whatever you want to call it. So, I, that was my goal. And I was, you know, from the early days in training, I, like, you made that clear. I was like, the only reason I'm getting into this is because that's where I want to be. Um, so the long-term goal for me is I want to get signed by Judah Reed. Now, whether or not that's NXT UK, because the scene's changed massively since I started training. So whether it was NXT UK, NXT, yeah. Raw, SmackDown, whatever that would be, my goal is under that Judah Reed umbrella. Um, that's kind of what I got into wrestling for originally. That's the long-term goal. What do I want to do before then? A couple of shows I want to work for over here in um, England, Britain, UK. I said Britain or UK because the first uh, company isn't an English company. ICW, Progress, RevPro, those are kind of like the three shows that I've got kind of like that and the aspirational shows at the minute. Yeah. Um, 1PW has obviously just made a return. It'd be great to get on the 1PW shows. Um, I want to wrestle in Japan, so I would love to, and again, having that flexibility now with work and on my schedule, I would love to go and do a tour of Japan. I would love to go and wrestle in America, Mexico. It would be great to wrestle all these places. But those UK promotions I just mentioned in Japan are kind of me two immediate goals. Um, and then long, long term WWE. That's amazing. And like I said earlier, you, you're putting the package together. All the pieces of the puzzle are forming. You've you've got the mic skills. You've clearly got the physique. Uh, your wrestling's come a long way. So uh, um, I sincerely hope you get there. But um, like I say, there's a lot of UK promotions that can benefit from having you on their card. So I look forward to seeing you kind of spread your wings and uh, get out and about around the UK. Um, but uh, I'd like to see more, like I say, um, a, a good promotion down here. Um, it is Immortal Wrestling in Wiltshire. And of course, I'd like to see you more at Wrestle Carnival. Um, so who knows? But uh, Shreddy, it's been awesome having you on the podcast. Before we let you go, though, my friend, an opportunity for you to throw out any socials. Where can we reach out? Where can we say hi? And where can we learn more about Shreddy? So, yeah, YouTube, I post but yeah head over to youtube to shreddy breck youtube google that or put on the youtube um shreddy breck i'm most active on instagram so shreddy breck gym over on instagram i've got a facebook page which just pretty much links up the same with me um instagram i'm on twitter i don't use twitter much in terms of scrolling i post stuff i actually put a post up the other day like in the end of last year i made a conscious effort to not get kind of focused on the illusion of Twitter um, and to kind of, you know, get in that mindset of trying to be Twitter over or, you know, pop your own Twitter or whatever. And yeah. since I've kind of had that mindset, I've just focused on wrestling, training, speaking to promoters, getting on more shows. This year has been my best year of wrestling and I've not been focused on Twitter at all. Now, that's not me saying I don't ever use Twitter because I'll go on and I'll post content. I'll post a photo. I'll post a tweet every now and then. But it's very, very rare that I scroll Twitter now because I just think, like, it's not really much there for me. Yeah. Um, I, I much prefer Instagram and Facebook. There's a lot of Twitter and things like that. So it's yeah. like, I know 100% since I have started using Twitter less and stopped scrolling through and things like that, um, I just mentally, like when it comes to wrestling, a lot of that head fuckery from wrestling has gone. Yeah. I can just concentrate on being a better wrestler 
being a better worker and being a better performer. So if you can follow me on Twitter, I do post there, but I don't really scroll much unless I'm tagged in something. There's not much like, yeah, you're not going to get much out of me really, but I will post on there. But Instagram is kind of where I'm most active. Yeah, yeah, and your Instagram page is phenomenal, by the way. And uh, definitely, definitely check out the YouTube channel. It's got to be done. Uh, a really, really uh, fun YouTube channel there from Shreddy. But uh, Shreddy, it's been uh, awesome having you on the Wrestling with Jonas podcast. Thank you so much. Um, could you do the, the Jack Stacked Daddy for us just before we leave, just to end the podcast perfectly? Go on, it's got to be done. I only charge for that, you Go know. On, a little bit of a promo. Go on. <laughs> Who's the daddy? <laughs> There we go. Shreddy, thank you very much and catch you again, my friend.